Welcome back to the Tangent Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. And I am also your host, Jack. We're a little, a little, what's the word? Exhausted? Exhausted. So we recorded... Frustrated? Frustrated. That's a good one. We recorded this episode about a week ago, and little did we know the audio quality was bad, so we recorded it again tonight. Lo and behold, the audio quality was bad. Our, our audio software glitched out, and without checking, we recorded an entire one hour and 18 minute podcast um, with the entire thing glitching and about going muting itself every half second, I think it was. So that was fantastic, and no way to fix that. It was uh, just the worst. Um, but we so learned a valuable lesson. What, what 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 did we learn? Always check your recordings, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah Before you it. record an hour and a half long podcast. So this is the third time we're recording this podcast. Yep. Um, Which means you guys get the best version of it. You know, I don't, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> I think the second version would have been best. Third, I'm just kind of getting pissed off. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. Yes, we just got to get excited. We learned for something it. new about the things we're talking about every time. So, uh, more info for you, more goodies, more mysteries, and more unexplainedness. More American urban legends. Yes, that's correct. We're bringing back American urban legends. We have been on hiatus while uh, uh, Austin here, our good buddy, went studying abroad, studying abroad, studying, study abroading, study abroading. Studying abroad? No, it's definitely study abroading. Oh, okay. Uh, in the good old Spaniard country of Spain. Ole. Ole, indeed. Thank you for that. Yep. Anyway. Good to be back. Um, so he's back. We are... Keep it going with the, with the podcast. We're, we're going strong. Um, we, we have heard many people that have listened enjoy this podcast, so we're going to keep going because we enjoy doing it. We are on social. We have been added to social medias. Um... <laughs> As per public request, I've had a couple people come up and say, hey, get on social media. I'm like, why, why? But so that's where the uh, the youngins are nowadays. That's where the, all the youngins on are. On the internet. Oh my gosh, my chair is doing something weird. Oh my gosh, why is my chair like popping? So sorry. <laughs> Ignore that. So yeah, we've got our Instagram up. It's Real Tangent Pod. Um, our Twitter handle, Twitter handle. I messed that up last time I said it. I had to make sure I said it right. He said twiddle hander. Yep. <laughs> um, Dang our... it. I'm really sad that I didn't make it in. <laughs> that was that was funny. Um, our Twitter handle is at Podcast Tangent. And we are on Facebook at Tangent Podcast. And, of course, our personal favorite, the email, tangentpodcast at outlook.com. So, email us, you jerks. Yep, email us, send us some uh, some stories or ideas of what you guys want to hear. Um, we want to hear from you and talk about what you guys want as our fans. So definitely hit us up there, and we'd be happy to to hear you out, listen to your suggestions. And if anyone wants to come on the show, let us know. We can set up a call with you as well. Yes, you will be heard world round. Almost literally, actually. We checked our stats the other day, and we had uh, some one or two listeners from the United Kingdom. Thank you, guys. Yeah, if, if you're listening to this one, we thank you very much. Uh, spread it around even more to your friends. Let's see if we can uh, get even broader. I want to see some Russians. <laughs> Ooh, Russians, huh? But, yeah, so that might mean that 
there's some shady stuff going on though if they're listening to us over in Russia. I'm okay with that. They're spying on us. I would like to be spied on by the Russians. <laughs> I think that would be neat. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, welcome, international listeners. Yep. Uh, Bienvenidos. What? I said welcome in Spanish. They're not Spanish. They're English. He's I'm just saying, if there's any listeners in Spain or Latin America, oh. we got them covered too. Showing some love. Well, I mean, that's all we're going to say in Spanish. Oh, como te llama? Me llamo Austin. Well, I don't know what I said. Augusto. You said, you didn't even say anything, actually. Oh, great. All right, well, thanks again for tuning in, guys. It's good to be back. We are going down to the wonderful sunny state of Arizona today. Uh, The hot as Hades state of Arizona. Arizona, which is like in uh, in this room right now. Oh my god, it's so hot. Yeah, we can't really turn on the fans or the AC because it, it gets really loud. And Getting into the Arizona spirit. Yeah, yeah. And me being frustrated for the third time recording this episode, that's really helpful. Just it's okay. It'll be great. Fight me. right put that away <laughs> there are children here <laughs> all right well the first urban legend from arizona we're covering good old skinwalkers uh for those of you who don't know what a skinwalker is it's a navajo legend and a skinwalker is a person with the ability to transform really into any different type of animal at will uh, most frequently coyotes wolves foxes um, eagles owls birds of prey and some of them are rumored to actually be able to steal the faces of different people and they usually appear as someone that you know or that's familiar to you um and if you accidentally lock eyes with a skinwalker they can actually absorb themselves into your body and pretty much take control of you and do whatever they want with your body that's Freaky. Yeah, pretty creepy. So basically it's a witch that has gone through a series of events and rituals to get to having these powers of being able to transform and take over animals and humans. And the last kind of ritual of the process of becoming a skinwalker is to actually kill a close family member. So it is something that's considered really evil. And in Navajo culture, they don't even talk about it. It's kind of like a taboo subject. So if you were to ask a Navajo about it, they probably like wouldn't talk to you about it. They'd probably get angry, honestly. Yeah, they probably would because they believe that if you talk about it, it can kind of invite that into your life. Um, so yeah, pretty creepy. Again, they originate from the Navajo region, which is kind of northern Arizona, southern Utah, New Mexico area. And the word for skinwalker in the Navajo language is yi nagloshi. I probably butchered that. But it directly translates to he who walks on all fours, which... That in itself is terrifying. Yeah. Sounds sounds pretty ominous. Um, and it hasn't been until recently that skinwalkers have kind of come into public light because the Navajos don't really talk about them. Um, but there's a ranch in Utah, actually, and in 1996, a team of scientists went there to investigate the skinwalker phenomena. It's called Skinwalker Ranch, but most of the sightings are actually in northern Arizona, kind of near the Navajo Reservation area. Um, We'll get more into that uh, Skinwalker Ranch later on, because it is crazy uh, what what happens there, apparently, according to many, many reports and such. 
but that's uh, that's down the line. Yeah, supposedly it's like the most paranormally active place in the world, people say. So we'll do a whole episode on that on its own. But yeah, um, that one's located in Utah, so... Right. So there are sightings in Utah as well. And I've read accounts of sightings in the northeast, like New England area, Washington. So it's all over, but most prevalently and originated in Arizona. Um, now, one crazy thing about skinwalkers is they do seem to be able to run really fast, probably because they take on the forms of animals, and also being able to run incredibly long distances, some say up to 200 miles in a day, or in one evening, so that's pretty crazy. And every anytime they take a form of an animal or a human, it seems that they're described as kind of like a hollowed out form of that animal or human, meaning that it looks like it and it'd be recognizable to you if it were your dog or one of your friends or family members that they're taking the form of, but there's just something off. Usually the eyes look like animal eyes rather than human eyes, and something is just off about them. One of the common common sights with animals is that they'll be four-legged animals like a coyote or a dog, but they'll be able to stand up and run on two legs. So that's pretty crazy, and that's where where they get their running strength from as well as in the increased size of the hind legs. Yeah, sorry, there might be some background noise. So going along with that, uh, skinwalkers are seen all around the U.S., most commonly in Arizona, but they're also uh, commonly believed to be what is known as the rake in northeastern United States. And we'll go over the rake when we cover some of those states up there as well. What the heck is the rake? Um, it's similar to a skinwalker, shape-shifting being i don't like that so yeah skinwalkers basically they're shapeshifters with evil intent to harm or make people suffer and they tend to chase and pursue people as well at high speeds i did find a story here i wanted to read it it's a little bit long but it's about um an encounter it's called the smiling skinwalker pretty creepy but i wanted to read it it on that huh did you have to leave it on this photo right here for me i can move it why don't you you describe that for us i don't know it's like a dog with like a skull as a head but like really bony arms oh look at the legs they're like backwards human yeah, legs they are kind of backwards huh Ugh. that's weird yeah you better fo- follow us on social media because we're gonna be posting this crap so you can be freaked out by it too yeah uh, we'll post this and i'll put all our handles and stuff in the show notes so you can be you can find it easily but these things are freaky yeah if they that's are. a legit photo which if it if it is, if it I is, mean, it looks. It looks pretty real. It's blurry, but it looks like someone snapped that. Yeah. Doesn't uh, look like it could be anything else, really. I don't know. That's that's creepy. I don't know. Um. So this story called the Smiling Skinwalker says, "I recently moved westward to Arizona from the boring state of Oklahoma. I'm a devout Christian, and never once before this had I believed there were entities in existence that we couldn't hunt down with our modern advancements." It's 2019, for heaven's sake. You'd figure if we wanted to find something, we would. Most of all, we would, and most of all, we could. It was the 23rd of December, 2018. I was in Pace in Arizona, a bit north of Phoenix. My friends and I, in our Christmas spirit, decided to head out north of town, about five or six miles, into the forest on a secluded trail. It was cold that night. Some of my friends shivered and displayed obvious signs of unpreparedness. I was layered fairly well, yet the winds and frigid cold punctured through my layers and on to me. We wanted to make a bonfire warm up and enjoy ourselves a few drinks. And I knew as soon as I got into the car to head that way, something was off. I felt sick, uneasy, and something in my gut told me to just stay home. But I couldn't put my finger on just what, and ignored my ever-so-looming feelings of anxiety. Never do that. Do you have a gut feeling to go to do something or not do something? Get get out. Yep. Nope, not. (laughs) 
don't do it. Don't give in to pear pressure. Pear pressure. Pear huh? pressure. Hmm. He says, we picked up friends and headed to the trail. I'm a huge nature lover and always felt safe in the confines of the forest. I felt in control, at ease, but not tonight. It may sound cliche, but I'll be damned if it didn't feel like someone or something was watching me when we finally got there. And when I had gotten far enough down the trail that turning back would be no hasty endeavor, it finally hit me why I felt so eerie. That same year, during the weeks prior to Thanksgiving, I was here before. It's not a spot we usually go to, therefore I was not familiar with it, nor were my friends. We were coming out for the same reason we were in December, for a few drinks around a bonfire. It was late. I, however, didn't have any spirits that night. It was my job to gather firewood, and I didn't mind. My chance to survey and explore the area around us wouldn't be bad. Before I even left our area, things took a turn for the strange. I was at the edge of the light being cast from the small bonfire I was to gather more fuel for. In the faint glow of the far trees, I caught a glimpse of something dark behind a tall pine. I asked backwards to my friends if I was out of the ordinary for people if it was out of the ordinary for people to be hanging around this spot. My query was only met with silence from them as they drank on. I took a few more steps beyond the comfort of the blaze, keeping my eyes affixed on the tall shadowy figure fixated behind the tall trees. I could faintly make out that it had moved in a slightly bobbing motion, like a buoy upon a tide. My immediate thoughts drew a blank as to why someone would be out here doing this. Maybe I was seeing things, or it was a prank of some sort. I opened my mouth to call out, or even crack a joke, but was mortified when I realized I could not speak. Something inside of me prevented me of making any noise. My heart raced. As it swiftly came, as, as swiftly as it came, it shot off into the distance like a bullet. Being startled so badly, I fell back onto the ground and kicked myself back like a spooked animal, scratching and cutting my hands as I did so. My friends saw me and laughed, thinking I was drunk. I managed to stammer out a line as to what I saw, but was only met with a few blank stares and laughs, making me sound stupid. For the rest of the night, I never dared step away from the beams of the bonfire. As I walked down that trail that frigid December evening, I remember what I had seen and felt on that cold November night, and my stomach dropped. My friends were slurring out Christmas carols and other drunk epiphanies. I knew they wouldn't listen to me even if I spoke out, so I ignored the guttural feelings, prayed for the best, and walked on. I hadn't been drinking much this night either. I don't enjoy alcohol as much as my friends, and often I was the one responsible for hurting them home when the night was over. However, to calm my tense nerves, I had a drink or two from some Jaeger we had chilled in the ice chest. It was Christmas, after all, and it worked. We were all having a good time enjoying our festive feelings and generally savoring the crisp forest atmosphere. Soon nature called, and forgetting my prior ordeal, I began to walk away from the fire to relieve myself. I walked a fair 300 or so feet away towards a big rock resting behind some fallen trees not wanting to be seen doing my business. I was not even far enough away from the fire to not be able to hear my friends' voices echoing through the woodlands. From behind me, my friend Corbin, who had come along, called out my name. I'll admit I was tipsy, but nowhere near enough to not differentiate reality from a drunken stupor. I remember calling out to him, telling him to give me a moment to finish. I zipped up and turned to walk around to the rock where I heard him wander to. I don't know what it was, but sure as all heaven above and hell below was not Corbin. It took me a minute or it took me a minute for my woozy mind to put this together and stop walking towards it. I'm thankful I did. This being stood tall, at least six to seven feet. Its eyes burned like our fire. It moved from a dog like forelimb position to standing tall. The light from the moon on this cold night radiated the body, showing off its dark, slender shape with an inhumane sheen. I began to sob violently. My mind ran in panic circles. Seconds felt like lifetimes as my world ground to a halt at the clawed feet of the beast that I was sure was going to take my life from me right then and there. I did the only thing I could think to do. I dropped to my knees and began to pray. This monster to my petrified brain had to have been the devil himself. To imagine him anything worse than it would have been impossible. It did not like my pleas to God. 
an unholy shriek of what I can only think to describe as someone screaming loudly with lungs full of water rang out. I screamed in terror, and with all the strength I could muster, lunged backwards across the forest floor, running as fast as my legs could take me. I fell a few times, I think in sheer panic. I just couldn't manage to get my body to work properly knowing that thing was near. When I returned in a panicked craze to the fire, covered in sweat, dirt, and tears, I managed to wheeze out what happened somewhat through my sobs of fear. I could tell they doubted whether or not I was desperately stammering out was real or not. I think I was so horrified in that moment that I had a small seizure because everything else is a blur. I remember going to the truck, leaving. I remember waking up the next day receiving a multitude of texts saying I was either stupid or crazy, or texts from worried friends asking if I was okay. And I also remember the last I saw of that thing before I made my frenzied flee, when it smiled back at me through the forest and skittered off into the darkness. A few days after Christmas, I was able to get in touch with a native elder here in town. I was so scared mentioning the event because I was worried of being mocked or him not believing me. To a twist of my thinking, I told him very vividly what I had encountered. He wholeheartedly believed me and told me it was a skinwalker. He then blessed me thoroughly and told me to leave that stretch of land alone and to never venture out there again. Next time, I might not be so lucky. He didn't have to tell me twice. I know, I know, I sound crazy. If I were you, I wouldn't believe me either. But you don't have to. All you have to know is, for the love of everything above and below and all things holy, never forget that we are not alone on this earth. Sometimes during the night, whenever I look out my window, I catch sight of the eyes in the trees looking back at me. Ooh. That's nuts. Yeah, pretty crazy. <clears throat> um, so going along with this, if you ever encounter a skinwalker, the one way, I guess there's two ways to really like conquer it or get rid of it. One of them is to call out the name of the witch, which I don't know how you'd find that out. Apparently, you got to become real chummy with them. Gain their trust. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But yeah, you can either call out the name of the witch, and that supposedly vanquishes the the demon or whatever's inside of the animal or person. Mm-hmm. Or you can dip your bullets in white ash and shoot it, and that will supposedly kill it as well. Normal bullets will do nothing. Like, you could shoot it point blank a bunch of times, nothing would happen to it. Unless you dip them in white ash, and then that supposedly gives your bullets properties that will kill it um also if you ever encounter anything that you think is a skinwalker don't look it in the eyes because that's how they can like take over your body yeah you were saying that earlier but they can just straight up control you if you lock eyes with it so uh don't do that yeah that's kind of like one of the common things is that the eyes always look different if it's like a person you know or an animal you know that's been taken over the eyes will always look different than what they normally look like and the voice they like try to mimic the voice yeah there have been a lot of accounts of human skinwalkers that will try and either mimic your voice or the voice of somebody that you know but it always is kind of sounds like distorted or That it's like an animal trying to imitate your voice, which is weird. I can't imagine what that would sound like. Yeah, it would sound normal, that's for sure. Also, another thing that I just remembered is they'll often use the cry of an infant to lure people out. Um, So if you ever are in the woods and you hear an infant crying, just be careful out there. It's hard to not respond to something like that right right because, uh, you know you're like oh my gosh a baby we gotta we gotta help it and it's actually just something that wants to kill you yeah so yeah just be careful um i mean believability for me on a scale of one to ten i don't really know what to believe because 
there are so many like stories about skinwalkers out there and people who have encountered these things. Um, I don't really know what to believe, but I do know that in kind of Native American culture, everything is so spiritual and ritualistic and things like that. So I don't doubt that the lore of skinwalkers is rooted in real traditions and what those traditions are. You know, I don't know that we'll ever know for sure, but believability for me, I'd say like a six. Yeah, I was, I was going to say something about a six and a half. Um, something, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's, it's the Navajo Indians. Um, it's something that they don't talk about. They refuse to talk about. So it's not something that we have, I guess, the most accurate information on. So that might influence some stuff. It's possible some of it's been made up by uh, modern culture and what we believe, but I don't know. It, it, we've, You've read a bunch of stories. I think you read a different story each time we've recorded this. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. They're kind of written with desperation. I've noticed that between all of them. Mm-hmm. It's not like a storytelling tone. It's like a, I almost died. This is freaking me out. Yeah. It's kind like, of hey, tone. I saw this and I need to tell somebody about it right, right now. Like, I, either they're really freaking good storytellers or what they actually believe this happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just people on the internet. I don't think they're just yeah. going to be pro writers. Maybe they are. But I don't know. It's something I've heard a lot about. I mean, there's a lot of reports of stuff like this. Mm hmm. And that's the thing for me that, like, I probably wouldn't believe it if it weren't for these two things. One is that the natives refuse to talk about it, meaning that it's got to be something that to them is incredibly real. Mm -hmm. And that to me shows that there's real fear there of something. Right. And there have been experiences there with that as well. Real experiences. Two are all of the similar features of every account they're not all completely different and crazy they're all really similar in the fact that it's an animal that stands up on two legs and chases you really fast or it's a person that looks like somebody that you know like that all of the accounts are pretty similar in nature and have really similar aspects to them they're not really all over the place and so that to me shows a lot it all falls in the same boundaries right and uh, definitions yeah so it's very consistent which to me i feel like if people were just making up stories i don't know that they would be that consistent might taper off a little bit from the what's normal i guess right quote unquote normal because that's clearly not normal yeah so let us know what you think about skinwalkers if you've had experiences we'd love to to hear those, um, you can either we can either set up a Skype call with you, or if you want to share things anonymously, you know, go on social or email. We'd be happy to read look some, over those. We'll yeah, read, read something up for you. Um, you can send us an audio file. We can play it on the show. We can just you know do whatever the heck you want. This is your show. This isn't ours. This this is this isn't Austin. It's it's Austin's. It's totally Austin's. Mm-hmm. But no, this is. This is the fan show. We want you to be a part of this. So let us know what you got. And if you have suggestions, like, hey, you missed this part about Skinwalkers, or 
this is something crazy I heard, and we're more than happy to go back to things we already talk about. We want to know more. That's what we're here to learn, is just learn about uh, those odd occurrences. So yeah. let us know what you got. Definitely. Um, uh, before we move on, yep. let's give a shout out to our friend Darren. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, we have a good friend. His name is Darren. He owns a uh, a beard oil and balm uh, company. company. You get a company, yeah. one person, council company. Anyway, he makes all his own uh, beard oils and balms, and I have personally purchased these from him. And uh, I know Austin has used some of them. They're they're awesome. They smell amazing, which is the best part. They smell so freaking good. Um, they what they do is uh, um, it like uh, hydrates the skin. It uh, tightens the skin. I'm not really sure if that's something people are into. That's <laughs> what it said though. Um, it uh, I've noticed it. It makes my hair feel a little. My facial hair, obviously, the feel. A bit more, I don't know, sturdy, if this is the right word. Uh, Just strengthens your hair. Yeah. I've been told it uh, prevents split ends for a longer amount of time. Um, it keeps it uh, in line better. That's what the balm is for. It, it keeps it like, it's got almost like a gel or a, a, a butter kind of thing. That's for your hair, but it's, you know, on your facial hair. So it keeps it in line, makes it look nice. You can style it. It doesn't make it sticky, though, like a gel. I don't even notice it's there. Actually, I do because I can smell it. And it smells freaking amazing. Uh, he he had me he made me a, a custom scent because he does that. He's very personal with it. He likes to make custom scents. He'll make whatever you want. Mine's a cedarwood, pine, peppermint uh, mixture. It's amazing. I it smells like uh, like a winter forest is what I like to call it. Mm. I kept uh, ranting to him. I'm like, hey, this is so good. He's like, oh, I'll name it after you then. And he's like, we're gonna call it Lumberjacked because that's my name. And lumber it. because it's got wood, pine, yeah. cedar wood. Anyway, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Austin's got his own uh, flavors that he flavors. <laughs> I did. I, yep. Yep. Got my Ooh. leather and coffee scent and my Christmas wassail scent, which is wassail. incredible. But yeah, definitely go check him out. The best part is he uses all natural essential oils, so you know what you're getting in the oil. And you can build it custom for you, whatever sense you like. And you can support a local business. We don't get paid at all to advertise for this. We're just doing it because we love his products. He's a really good friend of ours. Yeah, I personally buy it. It's I use it every day, multiple times a day, because sometimes the scent wears off, and it makes me sad. Like, I can't smell it right now, and I'm really sad about that. I kind of want to get up and go put more on. <laughs> but I'm not going to. But I will after the show, probably. Um, but it's it's amazing. Um, would recommend uh, I'm someone that's very skeptical about everything I buy and I research things very much even when it's a friend that's selling it to me uh, and so I, I got this list of ingredients and looked them up online and every single one of them had glowing reviews online about the um, skin and hair uh, qualities and help it, uh, it has been, they've been known to help grow hair, thicken the hair, strengthen the hair. Uh, I've, I've even read that some of them help with acne and uh, uh, keeps your face hydrated. It, um, it The itchy phase, that was my favorite thing. I think I started using it when I was in the itchy phase of growing my beard out, and I used it. Stopped itching. 
It's great. Would recommend. Uh, we're going to put his Facebook? Yeah, so he's got a Facebook page. He likes to interact personally with the customer. So um, his Facebook page is Jared Boyd's Beard Oil. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, but go ahead and reach out to him. Um, he can give you different information on all of his scents and pricing. Um, but we we up back his products 100%. He's an awesome guy. And we'd love to help have you help support a local business as well. Let us know what you think if you do end up getting it. Because uh, it's awesome. Um, moving on. Moving to the on. Next urban legend. Uh, next urban legend. It's not necessarily an urban legend. What this is is a uh, unexplained event account. Um, odd goings on. Yeah, that's the right thing. Anyway, um, uh, what it is is the Phoenix Lights. Could not think of the name for a second. This is something that happened on March 13th of 1997. Uh, So it's been a little over 20 years. And to this day, no one knows what happened. It's pretty popular. Um, uh, I don't know how I haven't heard of it because of how big... I guess it is. Uh, it's pretty intriguing. Now, what happened is... Let me, let me look at my jotted notes. Man, I should have been ready. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Oh, my gosh. There it is. Okay. So, on March 13th of 1997... Um, what happened was, this is, I like to lead with this when, when I tell this story, because most UFO encounters, sightings, aliens, anything, if like someone's like, it's always one person, or maybe two people, like, oh, I got abducted by aliens, it's like, well, you have nobody that would back you up on that, because you just said you did. Anyway, this account is far different, and that's why I like I wanted to cover it here is because there were over a thousand accounts of this and witnesses. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. You know how many people that is, Austin? Nice. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yes, it is a lot. Especially for a sighting. You You can't say things like, oh, you just imagined it or you're going crazy because not everyone was going crazy and imagining things. It doesn't work like that. There's no such thing as public paranoia. Actually, that's not necessarily true. But, regardless. When all the accounts are the same, it's... It's, yeah. So what did, what happened was on this day, at about 8.30 p.m., lights appeared in the sky, as you can probably guess, um, called the Phoenix Lights. Um, and they appeared in a V formation. So there was one light at the point and then two trailing it on either end in the shape of a V, kind of like a, an arrow or a point. So it it looked deliberate. It was definitely deliberate. It was, it was thought out, whatever you want to call it. Now, what's a little unclear is what they were. People, Some people say it was a bunch of different objects, but the majority of the people are saying that it was one giant, like, triangular object. I'm, I, when I, I like to think of it like a, 
It was like stealth. The stealth bomber. The stealth bomber. Those black triangular shapes. Yeah, it's planes. like the black. Yeah, black triangle things. I kind of like think of it like that, kind of shape. But anyway, you couldn't see it specifically. People had reports that it maybe, like the there was like discoloration inside where the lights were, or it just didn't look right, or it looked different than the rest of the sky. But that's what uh, that's what they're saying. But the majority of the people think it was just one giant craft. Now, again, hundreds of people saw this. There was a, there still is, I can never remember the name of that place, the UFO sighting. The National UFO something center. Let me see. Reporting center? I think so. The UFO sighting of reporting center, something like that. There's, There's a... It is the... National UFO Reporting Center. Nice. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, though I've already heard it like three times in the last hour, so I should know it. <laughs> it's a... At the time, it was a phone line you could call in and report UFO sightings, basically. And they would analyze the data, whatever, keep it in a database, document all of the sightings that people had. I think they're still around, right? Yeah. And you could probably like file something online if you see something. Anyway. I think so. So they they said they had record breaking numbers of how many people called in. There were hundreds at the, in within this hour of people calling in saying, "Hey, I just saw a UFO." It's nuts, and it it really is. There's a photo. There's a lot of photos. Most of them aren't real though. Uh, there is one though. I think this is the real one. Uh, that one right there. I'll show it to Austin hmm. here. It's kind of hard to tell that it is a triangle. Yeah. Because of the angle it's at. Right. But everyone said it was with it. It was in a triangle. Hmm. Okay. And I could see it if you're if you're like a yeah. triangle like that. Oh, and again, follow us on social media. I'll post a picture. Should we make our account private? <laughs> so you have to, you have to follow us so yes. you can see it. No, we're not going to do that. But we would appreciate the follow. Anyway, it's it's interesting. Now, what's even more interesting is later at 10:30 p.m., about two hours later, it happened again. But this time there were two extra trailing lights. So there's one at point with three following in the V formation. And people are saying that they were slow. Like they're slow and you could not hear anything. No engine. Um, you couldn't see like anything besides the lights. There was no phys- physical or audible evidence of it being lifted off the ground in any way or propulsion. propulsion. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It's just kind of nuts. So, but it gets a little interesting that uh, the, let me find it really quick. There's a quote. Well, okay, first I'll tell the story of a, the governor. I can't remember his name. There it is. Fife Symington Third. What a name. What a name. He held a press conference stating that he found, or they, I guess, they found who was responsible. He proceeded to, make light of the situation by bringing, bringing his aide on stage dressed as an, in an alien costume. Basically, he said, we found out who did it, bring out the guilty accused, and just some dude in an alien costume walked out. It was, I think it was meant to just have fun kind of thing, like saying, hey, this is, it's not aliens, don't worry about it. Or maybe he's just making fun of people that thought it was aliens. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Why, why would he do that? I don't know. Maybe... To, I mean, it's kind of like the old saying, how does it go? The best way to convince someone you're not lying is to tell them that you are. 
So, like, by telling them, hey, it was aliens, like, as a joke, maybe people... Go, like, oh, like, it wasn't oh, aliens. It wasn't aliens, yeah. You know, maybe he was trying to take the focus off <laughs> of aliens by joking about it. I, I don't know. So, it, it it made it pretty clear that he didn't believe it was aliens. Uh, like, there's... I don't know, he's just poking fun at it. But what got interesting is... I'm trying to find out when it happened. It just says during 1997 so it was the same year i don't know if it was months weeks days later after he did this press conference thing and when that event actually happened he said this i am a pilot and i know about every machine that flies it was bigger than anything i've ever seen it remains a great mystery other people saw it responsible people i don't know why people would ridicule it it was enormous and inexplicable who knows what where it came from a lot of people saw it. I saw it, too. It was dramatic, and it couldn't have been flares because it was too symmetrical. It had geometric outline, a constant shape. Hmm. So that's, that's him saying that. Later, again, he responded saying, the Air Force said, oh, it was just flares. Because a lot of people were saying that it was just flares, like an Air Force test. Now, what's weird about that at first is because at the very beginning, all the military said, they didn't have anything in the air at that time. But later then they were like, oh, actually, we were running tests and they were just flares. That's all they were. Now, when they said that, the same governor, Fife Symington III. Fife Symington III. What a name, what a right? name, yeah. Anyway, he said after that, as a pilot and former Air Force officer, I can definitively say that this craft is, did not resemble any man-made object I'd ever seen. And it was certainly not high-altitude flares, because flares don't fly in formation. This guy was in Air Force, in the Air Force, and he's a pilot. He knows his stuff. Right. Well, I mean, the fact that they, that he said that it was a constant shape, like, it didn't break that formation. Yeah, yeah. I don't think flares would be able to keep a constant shape for however long this thing flew for. Uh, At least 100 miles. It was reported in... A hundred mile area, like right. from many people within a hundred miles of each other. Are flares even able to burn for a hundred miles? Probably not. I don't know. But I would out. guess back in 1997, probably not even today, they didn't have the technology to be able to guide flares in a perfect formation, constant shape and formation. Yeah. Regardless, it does say here that you can see flares from 50 to 70 miles. Yeah. So I don't know. They're 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 pretty bright. It's possible, still. but people are saying it was moving, like through the air, as if it were a ship. And some some people said it stopped completely at some times, mm-hmm. which I don't think there's as many reports of that. So I can't uh, speak for the authenticity of that, but it is interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it's just he said. He said, "I'm a pilot. I know just about every machine that flies." It was bigger than anything I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. It, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. Yeah, definitely strange. And it had geometric outline, a constant shape. Well, yeah, that's my that's my big thing is a constant shape, meaning it didn't break formation. Which even like professional fighters, they probably, I mean, fighter jets. Yeah, probably, I mean, they, they could hold a constant shape but human error i think would not 
have it be constant, straight constant for 100 miles, you know? And plus you would hear that. Right. And there were no reports of, like, mechanical engine sounds, right? Like, there was a, there was reports of a wind sound. Like a natural wind? Yeah. So, like, but not like an engine wind kind of thing or okay. propeller wind. Hmm. There was no, like, you couldn't hear it, basically. There was no, like, chemtrail behind it either. No, nothing like that. Interesting. So, things get a little more interesting, I think, with... I've got to find his name. I've read it three times now. I should know his name. Mitch Stanley. Now, Mitch Stanley is an amateur astronomer. And he happened to be using a telescope with 43 times magnification at the time of the event. At the, the second one, I believe. Actually, it looked like the first one. I think it was the first one, actually. Anyway, he apparently saw the lights through this telescope. And after observing the lights, he told his mother that the lights were aircraft. According to Stanley, the lights were quite clearly airplanes. Individual airplanes. A companion who was with him recalled asking Stanley at the time what the lights were, and he said, planes. So, and he... he, obviously thought they were individual each one had its own light kind of thing he even went down to the discovery channel town hall meeting which apparently there was some tv coverage later on obviously um people were interviewing witnesses and whatnot and he went and everyone else there shouted down in his assertion that what he saw uh, there's a lot there and anyway they they bashed on him they're like you're wrong this was one thing you're wrong, you're ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, if you got a better look at it than everybody else, it's hard to refute that. But at the same time, it's one account versus hundreds hundreds of accounts saying it was a constant shape. So the fact to me that it's that people say that it was constant and that it had geometric shape and remained constant looks to me like it was one craft. Now, maybe at one point it split off and there were multiple crafts that, you know, were assembled into one or something like that. Um, no one I don't else know. reported that. But I mean, one one close-up account or hundreds of further away accounts, what do you believe, you know? Plus, isn't a little weird he might have been using a telescope at that exact time? Maybe not. I don't know. Is he involved? Probably. <laughs> What is that? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, cool. Just my noise. Nice. I like it. Uh, plus, wasn't it 8.30 at the time of the first one? Yeah, it's like 8.30 and then like two hours later was the next one, right? Yeah. Who uses a telescope at 8.30? I don't know, because it, this is in the summer, right? Well, it was March. Well, March. But they don't do daylight savings. Right, so March in Phoenix would have been, probably would have been light outside still. Well, maybe it would have probably been getting dark yeah like twilight i don't know maybe that's the best time time. but you don't want to be telescoping when lights are on in the city right i don't know i don't get it Um, who knows but i mean he's pretty much the only one that said that yeah that we have a count of anyway speaking of interviewing and people whatnot there's a councilwoman uh francis something i don't remember her name francis barwood uh, she was a councilwoman at Phoenix at the time. 
and she wanted to launch an investigation, but the government was just like, no, stay away from this. What are you doing? That's stupid. Don't. No. She just continued to do it herself, and they interviewed 700 witnesses. That's a lot of witnesses. Yeah. While the government themselves interviewed exactly zero. Hmm. Seems interesting that the government wasn't even kind of interested in this. They're just like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm a little worried about it. Didn't the government like try to test the flare theory too, or the military? Was it the military? I think it was the, the National, National Guard. Guard. The okay. National Guard. I think it was like 2007, so it was like full ten years later. Yeah, they were they were like tests run, like flare tests that we tried to mimic it, I guess. Okay. And I watched the video. It did not look anything like hmm. the descriptions or the pictures I've seen. It didn't even look like a triangle. And that was with better technology for flares yeah. That's as well. a that's yeah. a decade later too. And my question is, why would they try to test it if it wasn't them? Right. Well, I guess it's the National Guard. It could have been a different branch of the military that was doing it. Possibly. Maybe it wasn't the military at all. Maybe it was just straight up the government yeah. research program or something. I don't know what they have. R&D department. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it does seem weird that they were trying to prove it. Being like, hey, either... I don't know if they is... were saying, look, this is how we did it, this is it. I think it was right. more of like a... How the heck was this done? And we're gonna try it and see if this it, yeah. can be replicated with flares. Yeah, and it did not do anything like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> a little something funny is this was spotted again later, like a few years later. Let me make sure. I'm giving this right. Reappearance. There was a reappearance in. 2008, April 21st, 2008. It says the lights appeared to change from square to triangular formation over time. Reported shortly after the lights appeared. Anyway, there were lights reappeared and people started reporting it and getting freaked out. It's like, oh my gosh, it's happening again. <laughs> Turns out it's just some dude tying lights to balloons and letting them go <laughs> in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I remember like probably close to 10 years ago. When I lived down in Salt Lake, there was, like, mass hysteria one night because people were flipping out. They saw a bunch of, like, red and blue and green lights in the sky, and everyone was flipping out. Turns out it was a drone club, like the Utah drone club that was out flying their drones with glow sticks on them. (laughs) (laughs) And it was on the news, like, aliens, but really it's these drones, so people were flipping out, but... They were able to tell that it wasn't really aliens, you know? Like, they could tell very quickly that, like, oh, it's just a drone. Within a few hours. Yeah. It's all cleared up kind of thing. Yeah. And so, if it were something as simple as that, why wouldn't they just come out and say, oh, yeah, it was this? Well, they tried to. Yeah, they, they said, tried oh, yeah, to. yeah, it was just a flare test. But at the beginning, they tried not to, you know? They tried to say, oh, we weren't doing anything. My, what I'm thinking is, it actually wasn't them. They just went, no, that wasn't us. We didn't have anything there. And then they went, oh, crap, this is causing some hysteria. We need to contain this. And we mm-hmm. go, they go, oh, it was us, actually, even though it wasn't. Right. Covering up for something bigger. Maybe they don't even know what it is. Yeah. Maybe that's why they were trying to test it. Maybe. They were reverse engineering alien technology. That's it. That's got to be it. Alien flare technology. Regardless... Let's get this out of the way. The universe is so big. 
there's no way there's not other life. Right? Dude. Sorry, go on. That I just had it. an epiphany. Epiphany. The world is flat, and every star that we see is an alien flare that has been launched in the sky. Nope. That's it not all it. makes sense now. No. Mm-mm. That is no. I will prove it to you. Okay. Okay. I'm waiting. Proceed. That's pretty much the whole account. Am I, did I miss anything? I don't think so. I think you pretty much got it. But yeah, it's a crazy account with so many different eyewitnesses. I'm pretty sure it's like the biggest UFO sighting. The most reported sighting yeah, ever. I think it is as well. Yeah. And the accounts in that one too are very consistent. And to this day, no one knows what it is. Let us know what you think it is. What do you think it is? Gosh dang it. I hate when you ask me that. It's a good question. don't know i will say i don't think it was the government or the national guard no military i don't no i don't no think it was guard. either the reason why we give a little like just a little explanation so i just go yeah me too because i don't like doing that anyway the fact that if it was and they were testing some technology or something like that the fact that 20 years later we still don't know what it is right and we haven't seen any military aircraft or anything like that unless they kept it a secret for 20 years, which I don't know why you would, why you wouldn't be using it, whatever it is. I don't think it's the military. I don't think so either. But let us know what you think. If you got any more information on the Phoenix Lights, for sure, shoot us a DM. If you were there, I want to talk to you. If you were old enough to 1997, you know, I'm trying to think if I know anyone from Phoenix. If you were born I 1990 do. or do. prior, my uncle lives in Mesa. My uncle does too, but he didn't live there at the time. How far away is Mesa from Phoenix? It's not far. It's on the outskirts of Phoenix, but I'm sure that they probably would have been able to see it. I need to talk to my uncle, because he's an oldster. One of my mission companions is from Phoenix too, so he only would have been like five but maybe his parents saw it we'll see maybe we'll have to look into that yeah. let us know what you think let us know what you got if i said anything wrong or yeah it is a pretty crazy account though definitely one of the the cooler ufo stories because it's so widely seen it's right. so much harder to believe something when it's like oh yeah this crazy guy from alabama got abducted and taken into the forest and four days later pops out of the forest and says he was abducted and probed by aliens you know right but it's so much easier to to believe that something really did happen when there's hundreds of accounts so, so we know something did happen the question is what mm-hmm. the heck was it right right yeah. interesting very interesting should we continue on to some space news space news this is some good space news, dude. This is some great space news. Let me pull it up here. Best space news I've read in a while. Check out this. I gotta find the page again. I lost it. Okay. Here we go. Mad flat earther to launch himself 5,000 feet up on a homemade steam-powered rocket this coming Sunday. Wow. So, actually tomorrow, because it is now Saturday morning. 
Um, tomorrow, Sunday, August 11th, amateur rocketeer Mike Hughes is reaching for new heights. <laughs> he previously launched himself last year uh, 1,875 feet, or 572 meters for our international listeners, into the air on a homemade steam-powered rocket. And this Sunday he's going to attempt to do it again and get up to 5,000 feet. And it's going to be filmed by the Science Channel for a new upcoming series called Homemade Astronauts, which I really want to see because it's all about just regular people trying to build space equipment and space flight stuff to go into outer space. (laughs) And I think that would be hilarious. That would be awesome. (laughs) Especially if it's like this redneck 60-year-old flat earther. Cletus from, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I built this rock in my backyard yesterday. Power by steam. Power by steam, I'm going to go to the moon. Dude, that's the thing. Could you get 5,000 feet up just on steam power? No way. No way, right? There's a reason NASA doesn't use steam power anymore. Right. At all. And his reasoning is that it's free, which, valid, but at the same time... It's a bit cheaper than rocket fuel. Yeah, a bit cheaper than rocket fuel because it doesn't do the same thing as rocket fuel. (laughs) It's, It's not made for the same purpose. If steam really had that kind of power, we'd be using steam cars by now. Steam cars. Interesting space. Right? If steam can launch you 5,000 feet into the air, don't you think it could drive you on a road? I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah, there's no way that makes it all the way up to 5,000 feet. Right. Yeah, I think he's going to make it like 3,000 feet. 3,500 tops. Yeah. Apparently he's got a parachute, so when he goes up in this rocket, he just deploys his chute and comes safely down. But the last time he launched, he landed via parachute. He's He was 62. He's now 63. So last year he said he walked away with some soreness and a compressed vertebrae. That sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> so this year he is launching off in a refurbished version of that same rocket from last year that only got up to 1,800 feet. Um, and let's see. I just want to watch that show. When did it come out, do you know? Does it, say- uh, it says in 2020. 2020? Yeah, it said uh-huh. in 2020. Here's the thing, though. Last year, he said that he launched his rocket from the back of a motorhome that he bought off Craigslist. I don't know how, what that means, how he hooked his rocket up to a motorhome. What is it? Yeah, what does it even mean? Did he just put it on top? I guess. It says so? the back of a motorhome. Is that relevant? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but this time, he says he's taking off on the back of a semi-truck that was given to him. So how does that change anything? semi-truck does... But here's the other funny thing, is his launch is funded by a website called Hub that is a casual dating and hookup app. <laughs> why are they funding Not even casual dating. It's a hookup app. I don't know why they're funding him. Publicity. Why do they, I why guess. they care about this? Yeah. But here's the thing. So he's a flat earther, like a devout flat earther. And I don't get this quote, but he said... So he's, he says he's going up to, to prove that the earth is flat. But then he also says... I don't believe in science. There's no difference between science and science fiction. If you don't believe in science, what do you believe in? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> but then it also says, "I believe the Earth is flat, but this flat Earth has nothing to do with the steam rocket launches. It never did. It never will. I'm a daredevil." So he claims to be doing this to take a picture of the curvature of the Earth to prove it's flat. But then he also says, "I'm not doing this because I want to prove the Earth is flat." So I don't know what this dude's talking about. But he's going to try and launch himself up 5,000 feet with the power of steam. So that'll be entertaining. And 
check this. It says he's trying to get up to the Carmen line, which is where the, like, outer space starts, pretty much. And he's working with a guy named Waldo Stakes, and together Waldo. they're trying to develop what they call a rocketoon, or a raccoon, <laughs> sorry, raccoon. Raccoon. Which is part rocket, part balloon. And essentially the balloon would attach the rocket and carry him up part of the way, and then they would fire the rocket to travel the rest of the distance. Um, and they are planning on having the raccoon launch in about 18 months to two years after they finish fundraising $2.8 million for the build of it. And I don't know if that'll be successful, but I kind of want to see it. Um, here's another thing. So, um, raccoon, I love that. they're working with another guy who's building a spacesuit that he will test by riding a hot air balloon up to 60,000 feet. So they're trying to get up even higher. Wait, and who is the th- this guy named Cameron Smith that they're working with. Who is working with? Uh, the same daredevil that's launching up in his rocket. He's cool. working with this other guy who's trying to build a balloon suit, I guess. Is this the, like kind of like the same idea? Do you remember that one guy who did the world's Felix highest skydive sky or whatever? Yeah. When he went up to like, the edge of the atmosphere and then jumped out of a hot That was balloon. nuts, dude. That was, did you watch that video? I did. It was crazy. Yeah, he started spinning super fast. You remember that? Uh-uh. He started like tumbling super fast, and they said that if he would have kept tumbling, like the G forces would have killed him pretty yeah. much. Fixed but it, he though. was able to like stabilize it and fix it, and he got down. How high up was that? Do you know? Let me check. It was flipping high. Let's see. I think it was like a hundred and eighty thousand. Felix Baumgartner jump from. 128,000. So these tries are these guys are trying to go up to the Carmen line, which is take a guess at how high up the Carmen line is where space starts. 50,000. Oh, 327,000 feet. 300,000? Yes. So right that's 100,000 meters. Um so right now he's trying to go 5,000 meters. And he plans on getting up to 300,000. Yes, he does with the power of steam. With the power of steam and um, a balloon. I don't know how much steam he'll need to get there. A lot. A lot of steam. All of it. But when you get up that high, you're not going to be able to create steam. It's too cold. Because at 10,000 feet outside of an airplane, it's already minus 50. So... Is it minus 50 or is it minus... Wind chill. Does wind chill have anything to do with that? I I don't know. Maybe. But, um... Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to get up that high. Maybe in his... Maybe in their hot air balloon suit... Maybe. Or like their rocket, raccoon. The, a mixture of the both. Yes. So this hot air balloon takes up as high as it can, and then it uses the balloon, and then it uses the steam. Yep. If it can even make steam that high. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll get up to 5,000 feet then. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, this will be interesting. Predictions? I think he's going to go 3,000 feet. What do I you think, think he's going to hurt himself. Yeah? I don't think he's going to get, like, like, seriously hurt. I think he's going to get hurt, though. Yeah, just looking at the guy's rocket, though, to me, I mean, it's not a huge rocket. It's, it's pretty small. Big. It's like, I don't know, like 10 feet tall? 12? Um, It's taller than that. This picture shows it better. I didn't see this one earlier, but Let me take a look. it looks better in this one. Oh, looks bigger, but it's That's still like a 20 foot long. 25. Yeah, between 20 and 30 feet long. Not huge to launch yourself up 5,000 5, feet, yeah, though. Yeah, no, not really. It's um, impressive, though, nonetheless. Right. But you know what's going to happen is he's going to go up there. He's going to see, maybe see, because when I was at, 
when I was in a plane at 10,000 feet, you can barely see the curvature of the earth up there. Like, you can see it, but not dramatically, you know? So at 5,000 feet, I don't think he's going to really get a good photo, and then he's going to come down and be like, oh, yeah, look, there's no curvature, it's flat, flat earth. Let's see, I just Googled how high you need to be to see the curvature of the earth. Mm -hmm. And it says, uh, if you're in an airplane cruising at a height of about 35,000 feet or 10,600 meters in a cloud-free horizon. Right. So he's pretty far from that. Yeah. He's going to get up there, take a picture, and go, nope, there's no curve. I'm like, well, yeah, you're not high enough. Right, and that's the thing. And people are going to believe him because he's going to say it's flat, there's no curve. Well, I was there. Yeah, so that's that's the funny space news happening tomorrow. I really want to watch that really bad. They probably won't show it live, right? It's probably not going to be released until not. the TV series gets released. I'm guessing it'll be on YouTube at some point, though. Yeah, that's probably true. So keep an eye out for that. What's the, his name again? Mike Hughes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mike Hughes is his name. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. old HUD? HUD? HUD. HUD dating app? Yes. Shout out to that. Heads up display. HUD. Nice. Yeah, so. That's interesting. That's that. Any other space news at all? I think that's some good space news. I think we got it covered pretty well. Um, Cool. Nothing too extravagant. I think think we got it covered good. Uh, We're at a little shorter than normal time, but I I think we're at a good time to call it. Yeah. Um, few uh, few things. Let's see. Uh, follow us on social media. Uh, we will put all the handles into the show notes. Uh, buy yourself some beard oil, even if you're not planning on buy- growing a beard. It's good for your skin. It smells amazing. Uh, we'll put that Facebook page in the show notes as well. Um, the Do Fund. Ooh, yes. The Do Fund. Donate to the Do Fund. Keep us alive. We want to be more entertaining. This probably wasn't the best entertaining episode, probably because it's our third time. Yeah, and sorry, we were a little burned out. It now it is it's 12.45. 12.45, so we're tired and we're frustrated, but yep. I think this one worked, and, but if you were maybe, if we maybe had some dooskies in us, it would have been a lot more fun, so this is really Indeed. your fault. Indeed. Um, I don't know how we're going to do that, but I'll put a link. If you're feeling generous, it's not required, but if you're feeling generous and if you're a good person and you're not a terrible person, donate a couple cents even. 65 cents a can, I think. Something like that. It's like, what, three, four bucks for a a 12-pack? Yeah. Come on, guys. I know you can do it. Well, yeah. Help us out. Get us energized. And if you don't... Uh, donate to the Do Fund. You have to share this podcast with a friend. That's that's the stipulation. Even if you do, you also have to share it with a friend. So you, you've heard it. You're you're bound by legal contract. Please share with your friends. We would greatly appreciate it. Give us some feedback. Um, email all of the DMs. We will check those frequently as as frequently as we can remember to. We're not huge on social media, but we. We'll check it more often. Um, Austin, you got anything else for us? I think that's it for me. All right. Uh, Well, uh, we had fun. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you got. And we will catch you in the next one. Have Have a great one, you guys. Thanks, guys.